Chapter 11 Springfield held the wheel with one relaxed hand as the speedometer arced over the line of 90 miles an hour. His other hand held the clutch as gently as a fishing line. Even in a hurry, he looked composed, his sunglasses masking any emotion he might be hiding about Wendy's voice on the phone. In a polar opposite position, Dubois had both hands braced on the dash and every muscle beneath his layers of blubber flexed in fear. The road was an oncoming blur. Springfield didn't care for music, so the two men rode in silence, although the siren did its part to break up the air. Springfield pulled out a cigarette, but just looked at it rather than putting it in his mouth. Then he stuck it back in his pocket and looked back up at the road. You trying to quit, Dubois asked. No, Springfield replied. I just don't feel like smoking. Dubois nodded. He knew the feeling, although with him, instead of cigarettes, it was usually food. They passed the broken sign for the dump, propped up on a high stack of old tractor tires, and then the land to both sides fell away to dirt. Metro Motel was halfway between Nottingham and Farmington, right on the edge of a tiny forgotten town called Betram. Originally, the motel had been named Betram Motel, but some high schoolers had stolen the B from its big sign, so the original owners just moved the letters and changed the listing in the phone book. They thought the new name made the place sound fancy, but to all who knew the Metro Motel, it was often just referred to as the whorehouse, or the brothel to those who chose not to swear. Although Wendy's phone call had been strange and frantic, calls much like hers came often at the sheriff's office. Out there in the woods all alone, sometimes things would get too rough. Some truck driver would pull a weapon refusing to pay, other times, the owner, an oddball drunk named Baker, would get mean and throw a girl out without her shoes or purse. The payphone in the parking lot was extremely popular and perpetually smeared with lipstick. Dubois figured what they were headed into was another one of many overly dramatic affairs between a drunk old fart and a broke girl down on her luck. He wondered why Springfield had brought so many guns and why he was driving so goddamn fast. Then Dubois remembered exactly who Wendy Montgomery was. Poor kid, Dubois thought, looking over at Springfield. Was it love? Probably not at this point. It'd been a long time. Things had a way of dying off around these parts. Springfield stared hard out the windshield, reflecting over the last time he'd seen Wendy hoping it would not be the last for good. She'd dumped him years ago, saying he was too quiet and no fun, and at the time, he'd considered this a compliment coming from an asshole like her. But he'd never stopped caring for her, doing the things that an older brother would do, helping her with her bills, taking her to see the doctor, buying her food, mowing her lawn. Over the years, they'd become closer, but only in a friendly way. Springfield usually just stared off while Wendy ate, 
just listening to her talk without saying much. All he ever wanted to tell her was how much he liked her, but he'd said that before, and she hadn't believed him. So silence made more sense now. The deterioration of a heart is a slow and painful process. Watching someone important to you abuse themselves with substances and give their bodies away in exchange for money cracks your ribs open and removes each nerve around it with a pluck and a snap. This can go on until there's not much left. Whatever remained in Springfield's chest was pounding, but he hit it well, taking out another cigarette and looking it over. He dropped it back into his pocket and pressed the accelerator to the floor. The sun was white, the very same blinding white that woke in Dubois from his strange dream. It come in a flash, a pair of colliding orbs slamming into his face and covering him in heat as he sat up in bed, screaming and gasping for air. As he rode along in the passenger seat, looking up at the sky, Dubois realized the orbs had been a set of headlights. He was sure of that now. Sheriff, Springfield said, tapping him on the arm. The deputy pointed up the road at a small speck of something a few miles up. This was the flattest road on earth. Dubois couldn't make out what it was, but apparently Springfield could. She's on foot, Springfield grunted, hitting the gas even harder. God fucking damn it. She's on goddamn foot. What's the matter, Dusty? Dubois asked, holding his hat on. I just fixed her goddamn car, Springfield replied. Why the fuck is she on foot? The sheriff had never heard his deputy cuss so many times in a row. Now the sunglasses and speeding made a lot more sense. The site of Wendy Montgomery was known to stop traffic. She was pretty as a doll, with a round face like a beauty queen, and hair as wild as a grease fire. She had all the amenities and often let them poke out from her blouse and waistline in soft little mounds from too much sugar and not enough exercise. She was cuter than hell, with a smile like a demon and chocolate eyes. But today, she was ragged, her face smeared with makeup, snot running out her nose and down her lips, her plaid shirt torn open and hanging from her elbows. A lace bra hid what it could but was far too small to do the job itself. Her chest was flushed, and her pants were unzipped. She was barefoot, running down the shoulder of the highway, spinning her arms and wobbling from side to side, nearly falling over. She'd made it more than a mile from the motel. Out here, all alone on the road, she looked like the fallen angel she'd once been, beaten by the ways of an evil world lying beyond any lord's control. Her big locks of satin hair tumbled upward in the wind. When she spotted their truck, she stopped and wiped her nose, pulling at her shirt and covering herself as best she could. The soft creases of her body would not hide, however. Springfield drove right into the oncoming lane and over to its shoulder, slamming on the brakes right at Wendy's side and rolling down his window, shouting at her. God damn it, Wendy. How many times do I have to tell you to walk on the other side of the goddamn road? You're supposed to walk against traffic. Pedestrian safety is not to be taken lightly. 
You know how many goddamn dumbass kids I gotta scrape up off this road every day? Don't make me count them, cause I will. Wendy folded her arms and pouted as he lectured her, digging her round big toe into the gravel and snorting. Dubois touched Springfield with a hand, trying to settle him down, but could tell it would be no use. Springfield pulled the truck into the shoulder and got out, slamming his door and stomping over to her with an exaggerated frown. He stepped in front of her and threw back his shoulders, putting his hands on his hips and tipping his head back, exhaling a deep breath at the sky and shaking his head. Wendy just fidgeted in place and played with the broken zipper of her jeans. She hated it when Dusty was mad at her, which was most of the time. The deputy sighed and dropped his head, pinching at the bridge of his nose. Sorry, he muttered. Sorry for what? Wendy mocked. Springfield looked down at her, pulling off his sunglasses and revealing for the first time all day a pair of pink, aching eyes. Look, he said in a tough whisper so the sheriff wouldn't hear. Just tell me who done it and where he's at and I'll drop the two of you off and go shoot his ass. I already got shovels in the back seat, Wendy. Wendy laughed. Another nerve in Springfield's heart busted loose. He put a hand on his gun and the other around the back of his neck, wishing he could just punch her lights out. Dubois had leaned over the driver's seat and was watching them. He nearly filled the truck himself. He shouted to them instead of trying to open his door. Mrs. Montgomery, are you all right? I think the sun got to the best of my deputy this afternoon. Must be a virus. Don't listen to any of his nonsense. And just come on in the back. We'll get you home. Springfield shook his head. If he'd had a dime for every time a day's work had started with this very situation, he'd have saved enough to buy his way out. Dusty, Wendy whispered, touching his chest with a soft round hand. It wasn't like those other times. This one was real mean. He wanted me to just shut the fuck up, Springfield barked, interrupting her. He had no interest in hearing about some rich old pervert. The possibilities disgusted him. Wendy was a girl built for loving. It was a damn shame she let men do everything but that to her. I tried to call, but the payphone was broken again, she said, wiping her nose. Springfield put his sunglasses back on and spat into the ditch. What happened, he asked. Now he was just a cop. He didn't give me a drink of water, she whined. And he didn't tell me I was pretty. And then when we got to the room, he just started grabbing at my shirt without saying nothing. I'm a lady, Dusty. Payment aside, I should be treated better than that. Springfield rolled his eyes and dropped his head, realizing not a thing had happened, and that whoever this dickhead was, regardless of his manners, he'd done nothing to warrant an arrest or even a light beating. Wendy was the only real criminal here. Springfield wished he could cover. Get in the truck, he said, dismissing her rant with a swat of his hand. Wendy did as she was told and climbed in the caged back seat. Springfield dug in the bed of the truck and pulled out a pair of girls' running shoes and then threw them in at her along with his jacket. 
He climbed behind the wheel and turned the car around and headed back for town, pulling out the cigarette and lighting it with a hard drag. Dubois tilted back in his seat to talk to Wendy through the bars. Say, young lady, he asked, who all's up at the motel this weekend? Got any dirt for an old hog like myself? Wendy sniffled, wiping her nose with Springfield's coat sleeve. Not really, she said, looking out her window. I'd have thought there would have been more takers judging from the cars in the lot. Guess I was wrong. What cars might those be, Dubois asked, pretending he was a detective. Fancy cars, she said with a drawl. There was one of those race cars like the ones on TV, all red and shiny. Looked like it belonged to a celebrity. The license plate made it seem that way anyway. What about the other cars? Dubois asked. The other one was real scary. How can a car be scary, Springfield grunted, not turning his head. Wendy frowned at him. It looked scary is all I meant, but not just because of the way it looked. It felt scary, like it knew I was looking at it and didn't like me staring. What kind of car did you say this was, Dubois asked. It was a long white Cadillac, she said. It was too long and really low to the ground, too low to the ground. Its windows were all black and it had fins like a fish. It's called a hearse, Wendy, Springfield groaned. Everybody thinks hearses look scary. This wasn't a hearse, Wendy argued, pouting. I know what a goddamn hearse looks like, Dusty. This was something weirder. It looked mean. Dubois turned to Springfield, raising an eyebrow at him. Say, didn't a funeral home in Farmington call in something about a stolen hearse the other day? Springfield had to hold back a chuckle. His boss was always imagining up crimes to pass the time. Yes, Springfield replied, not wanting to say another thing on the subject. They rode a whole mile in silence. Wendy sat in the back playing with her nails, Springfield occasionally glancing up at her in the rearview mirror. Dubois didn't move, stuck between the dash and seat like a ham in a vice. His eyes twitched, though, shifting out his window and rolling over the flat dirt. Then he spoke quietly to himself, squinting as his thought formed. I wonder, he said, biting his lip, could it be the same hearse? Springfield rolled his eyes. Tell me something, deputy, Dubois continued, his eyes far away now. Just how many funeral homes we got in this county? Six, Springfield replied without hesitation. Springfield had made the number up entirely. He had no clue how many funeral homes were in the county. The number six wasn't even an educated guess. It was just a number lower than ten, but higher than one, that he decided to say to shut Dubois up before he got any ideas. That many? Dubois asked, surprised. Dang, that's higher than I thought. Springfield nearly felt satisfied. But tell me, Dubois went on, about how many of them do you think got the kind of money to drop on a shiny new Cadillac? The sheriff 
tipped his head back. You did say it was shiny, right, Mrs. Montgomery? Leave her out of this, Springfield grunted. Wendy laughed again. Dusty was always the butt of a joke to her. Dubois pushed his hat back on his head and smiled as he spoke. I'd say it's likely that that hearse the young lady speaks of is a stolen vehicle, and whoever took it is back at that palace of sin, spinning the keys right on his finger. But who's to say? If it were me to do the saying, I'd say a couple of good old boys with a jeep full of rifles could likely take down a criminal of that ilk without a scratch to their ass. Bet that Cadillac even comes with a reward. Car like that? I bet there's money in it. Springfield said nothing. He frowned, jerking the wheel and pulling them over onto the shoulder and killing the engine. He kicked open his door, got out, walked around to the passenger's side, and swung the sheriff's door open, grabbing Dubois by the arm. Get out of the car, Springfield yelled, yanking at the fat man with both hands. Dubois came tumbling out onto the gravel, rolling onto his side, then back before sitting up and looking around. His hat fell off, and Springfield retrieved it from the ground and handed it to him, helping him to his feet. The two men took several steps away from the jeep, and then Springfield grabbed him by the arm again, shouting at him in an angry whisper. Listen up, you big donut. We're taking her home right now. When we get back to town, you're more than welcome to drive your own ass all over this county looking for fingerprints. But Wendy is my problem right now. I'm not turning this truck around. Dubois felt bad for his deputy. The way Springfield called Wendy his problem made it sound like the boy liked it that way. Dubois remembered being in love like that. It sucked. But they were the law. His deputy clearly wasn't thinking of that at the moment. All I'm saying, Dubois whispered, raising a hand to shush him, is that when thought of as a matter of time and distance, turning around makes a hell of a lot more sense than dropping her off first. Look here. Dubois pointed down the road. We got ourselves about a seven to ten minutes ride back to town. Then Dubois pointed the other way and about one and a half minutes ride to the motel. We got a suspected car thief at arm's length. If we go back now, he'll be long gone in 20 minutes. Stealing a car like that, I'd say it's likely he's in a hurry someplace to sell it for parts. Springfield spat. In such a hurry that he'd stop at some shit-ass motel, he asked. Dubois took the remark hard yanking off his hat and throwing it down. Oh, fuck you, he yelled. Springfield watched the hat roll to the line of tall grass lining the ditch. He'd never seen the sheriff lose his cool like this. Springfield didn't really know how to react to it, so he just stared hard at the hat, hoping it would pass. Dubois started pacing, cursing beneath his breath. To blame the outburst on Springfield would be a lie. It wasn't the boy's fault. It didn't even have to do with the hearse. Dubois missed his mother. His mother had always been with him. Even three years ago, on the very day she died, she'd been nearer than now. He felt old and alone. 
He felt fat. He kicked the gravel and let his face get hot, holding his breath. His eyes watered and shook. He reached the bed of the truck and threw himself against it in a heavy lean. Springfield knew all this. He could tell the weight of the nightmare had finally fallen and that Dubois was hanging over the edge of a darkness he'd not been in before. Inside the truck, Wendy was filing her nails. Springfield stared at her a moment through the caged window. Then he lifted his eyes to the sky and watched a cloud float by. He turned his head and looked up the road. They were nowhere at all, between two nowheres, in fact, parked on the shoulder of an old stupid road meant for fucking. He spat and walked the ten paces to retrieve the hat. As he knelt by the ravine and turned the brim in his hands, he suddenly felt old himself. Time, like the wind behind the cloud, had begun to push. He knew any day Wendy would leave for good, likely following a rich man's promises. Springfield's hands went cold. Through the dark lines of the shadowed grass, he glimpsed his lonely future and grew sick and pale, knowing it wasn't his imagination. Springfield had no imagination. It was the one thing he lacked. Before his eyes, a vision appeared. A man on his knees in the woods, two men calling out after him, but they could not reach. The man drew up a handgun, pointing it to his temple. The shouting rose in the deputy's ears until they were loud, close screams. Then a flash of white came with a screech of car tires. A wide trail of blood glowed over the road in a crude drag mark of death. Then the darkness lifted like eyelids to expose a barren navy sky where the soft sound of trees, shifting in the wind, surrounded him. Dusty? the sheriff asked. His voice woke Springfield from his daze, and the vision vanished entirely, replaced by the blades of grass close enough to touch his nose. Dubois was holding him by the shoulder. He'd nearly fallen into the ditch. Springfield felt lightheaded and embarrassed as his boss pulled him to his feet. The deputy looked around, confused by the strange vision. I think we ought to get back, he said, handing the sheriff his hat with a faraway look in his eyes. Dubois took the hat and threw it on his head, and then spat on the ground. Now they were nearly twenty paces from the jeep. Wendy paid them no regard. Look here, Dubois whispered. I lost my temper because I haven't heard from my mom today. Something's up. Something ain't right. Springfield looked at his truck, still shaking off the things he'd seen. I know you sense it too, Dubois continued, poking him in the chest. You almost passed out over something you saw in your head. Am I right? Springfield didn't answer him. Dubois looked at the ground speaking lowly. I know you want to just say to hell with all this, the sheriff muttered, but I got a feeling there's trouble coming down the road, but we can catch it before it gets to town. That's a stolen hearse up there. I know it. Springfield rubbed his eyes, deciding not to share his strange visions. He interrupted the sheriff in a tired grumble. 
Ruth May LaRue calls in a stolen hearse every week that her dumbass son lets her use the phone. The old bag has dementia. I bet she hasn't seen that hearse since 1985. She's crazy, Arlene. Unless you're suffering the same ailment, I'd like you to explain to me why you think taking Wendy back to the motel is a good idea. Dubois sneered at him, knowing the boy was right as always. Then he got mad and his face went mean. I didn't say it was a good idea, he barked. I didn't say shit. I'm telling you, it's our only option. And that's an order. You hear me? The sheriff stood his ground. However unsure of himself he felt, he didn't let it show through. Springfield frowned at him, but nodded and walked back to the jeep without further argument. He climbed in behind the wheel and started the engine with a roar, pulling up the shoulder to pick the fat man up where he waited, checking his ammunition and straightening his hat. A sick heat and light began to settle over the horizon, like smoldering flames. Springfield put on his sunglasses as the sheriff climbed back in and closed his door. Wendy was humming to herself, filing her nails and looking out her window. Springfield felt completely alone, the same as always. He turned the truck around and headed back for the motel, figuring there was no real reason to head home anyhow. There was nothing there for him. The only thing that mattered to him was safe in the back seat, locked up tight.